0: I actually have um, one more video that I want to show you that, that uh, sparked immense joy amongst many people this week. And it was too good not to share with you. Uh, it's, it's a video of John Akatiro, who is just up here, and Shannon, our discipleship pastor. Um, let's just watch this together. John is on the left. Okay, okay, that is amazing, but, but we need to watch it again because what you, if you didn't catch it the first time, when Shannon was l- just leveled, I'm so, so I hope your back is okay. Um, I want you to watch where her legs go. Let's watch that one more time. One more time, can we play that back? This is such a special moment. Watch her feet right meow. Oh. Oh, I think we should submit that to some sort of Funniest Home Videos or something. Oh, man, if I'm ever having a bad day, I'm just going to watch that on repeat. (laughs) My goodness. All right, grab your Bible. (laughs) Let's turn to uh, 1 John chapter 2. Go there with me. We're going to pick up where we left off last week uh, in our conversation about these, these letters that John wrote to his, his friends, and uh, if you are just a guest with us or this is your first time you're joining us, in the first chapter of 1 John, John communicates his, his incredible passion and joy for knowing the Lord and sharing the goodness of God's love. It's just, the first chapter is just filled with this testimony of the love of Jesus. And we looked at last week this illustration of light and dark that John uses to describe the practice of confession. That when we get close to the light, when we get close to Jesus, it reveals what's going on in our lives. And we're not scared of that. We actually just confess what's going on, and that's where we're healed and we're restored. And John, he unashamedly draws this clear distinction between the way of the world and the way of Jesus. And we're either formed by the ways of the world, or we're formed by the ways of Jesus. And there's no, there's no middle ground in this conversation. We're all being formed by, by something. And in most cases, it's just, it's what we're exposed to on a regular basis. That's forming us. Okay, everything we just talked about, camp's a good example, right? Students from all walks of life, from all experiences, students from many different home situations, they gather together for five days to do some very formative things. Twice a day, these students, they gather to worship Jesus. And then they spend time hearing from the scriptures and then studying and discussing the scriptures together. And some students go to camp, they already know Jesus and it's an encouragement. Some students have no connection or understanding of who Jesus is. But just five days of worshiping twice a day and spending time in the scriptures and guess what happens? God speaks, God heals, God restores, God redeems, God encourages. All of these things happen when we align our hearts to who He is. It's, I guess we shouldn't be surprised anymore, right? And this isn't just a summer camp thing and it's not just a student thing. This is, this is true for us too. When we engage in these practices, when we take time to align our heart to Jesus when we worship Jesus for who he is on a regular basis when we spend time in the scriptures and together asking questions and discussing the scriptures. Sure enough, God speaks. He he, he directs us. He encourages us. He challenges us. Let's hear what John has to say about this. 1 John 2, starting in verse 15. He says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now, I read this text I don't know, 40 or 50 times this week amidst the sea of students just trying to let it just sink in to absorb the truth of this text. What does this mean for me as a follower of Jesus today? What does this scripture mean for me? What does this mean for us as followers of Jesus today? To not love the world or the things of the world. Verse 16 is helpful because John He brings some definition to the things of the world. He says, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. John says, don't allow these things to consume you, or you'll be out of sync with the love of the Father. And in the end, the things of the world, they're going to pass away, but what's going to remain? The things of God. God. So let me ask you this morning do you notice a love of the world at work in your heart have you noticed that you have desires in your flesh that there are things that maybe you see on a regular basis that that can get a hold of you get a hold of your heart have you Have you experienced or noticed this itching desire to be in charge of your own life apart from God? (laughs) I'm guessing there's a strong possibility that this is true. Look at somebody next to you and say, you need Jesus. (laughs) Look at somebody else and say, I need Jesus. (laughs) If you're alive, you're breathing today. The things of this world are constantly bombarding you. They're going to offer you something. They're going to offer you something that you think you need. But here's the amazing truth. You already have everything you need in Jesus. In Jesus, you and I have full access to the things of heaven, to the fullness of life. It is already ours. David, in the Old Testament, long before the arrival of Jesus, had some level of understanding about this when he penned in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not... He he somehow grasped the sufficiency of God's love, that there's nothing outside of that that was needed. His love, His provision, His care. When we can grasp the sufficiency of Jesus the world doesn't hold power over our hearts and our minds. But John, in this text, he warns us, he says, if we begin to think and believe that the world can offer us something better than what God has already provided, our heart will take a dangerous turn and we'll begin to strive and chase after hope and meaning and purpose and importance. And and it's like chasing after the wind. You're always going, always striving and never getting anything. Have you ever lived that experience? Yeah. I think this is what John is working out in his letter, that life is this, this battle. It's been a battle from the very beginning, a battle that John knew on a personal level. And I, and I, I think, I wonder, if, if John was holding on to the story of Genesis in his mind when he was writing, because let's go back to, to Genesis chapter 3, If flip there in your Bible or your phone, because the language that John uses to describe the things of the world, it's very similar to the language used in Genesis chapter three to describe the fall of humanity. If you're new to the scriptures, Genesis is vital for us because it it describes our origin and it it explains pretty clearly why the world is the way it is today. After forming all of creation, God crafted Adam and Eve in his image and they were to be stewards over all of creation. And part of stewarding creation was to have dominion over the earth, but they were also called to trust God as their provider and to give him complete authority and oversight over the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were instructed, don't eat from this tree. This one's mine. If you eat of this tree, there's going to be things bad that happen, right? And in Genesis 3, as the story goes, the deceiver comes along and he plants seeds of doubt and uncertainty in their mind. And Adam and Eve experience this shift in their heart. All of a sudden they begin to question, do we have what we need? Maybe there's more that we should have. Is God really good? Maybe we should take things into our own hands. Instead of trusting god's provision and sufficiency and walking in the blessing that was already provided to them they chose to believe the lie that there was more outside of god's provision that they needed and here's what happened genesis 3 verse 6 so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. So, so here's the language from 1 John. She saw that the tree was good. She saw that it was good. It was delightful to the eyes. And apparently it provided something that she didn't have. The, the way of the world was put on a platter. Hey, here you go. You need this. By the deceiver. He said, hey, hey I, know that, I know that God set you up real good over here. Like totally has hooked you up and it's amazing but may I suggest that there's actually more there's actually better there's actually something over here that is better than what you have there just for context up to this point in Genesis did Adam and Eve need anything those dummies they weren't lacking anything right they weren't on the struggle bus they weren't thinking oh my gosh how are we going to make it through another day we're just we're just struggling to eke by they had e- literally everything that they needed was handed to them he created a world full of life for them to experience and enjoy and steward. They had zero need. All was provided. The Lord was their shepherd, and they didn't have any wants. But the enemy distorted the truth. And it's the the only way he can work. He doesn't hold any power over creation. He can only control that which he has deceived. And so he invited Adam and Eve to consider a life outside And this is how he continues to work in our lives today, right? He tries to invite us to consider life outside of God's plan, outside of God's way. He invites us to trust in something other than God. I know you follow God, but what about this? I know that you love God, but maybe there's a love that's better than his. I know that you're called to be righteous, but how righteous are we talking? Like, isn't the line a little blurry? Can we just fudge things up a little bit here and, and the de- the de- the enemy of our soul is so sneaky right he, his offer always seems like a great idea it's not like he ever says I'm a liar and I'm gonna destroy your life hopefully we would be wise enough to go ah, I'll take a hard pass on that but what he offers is something that looks kind of good this is gonna give me peace This is going to make me feel important. This is going to help me out. He deceives and he manipulates. And when we believe the lie and we act on it, it wrecks our lives. That's just how it works. You've probably been around that cycle, right? Look at verse 7. Then both of their eyes, then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together. And made themselves loincloths. I don't know if you know anything about fig leaves, but you don't want to be making underwear out of those. (laughs) And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, which was life for them. But watch what happens. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Soon as they stepped outside of trusting God's provision, they hid in shame. And then everything spiraled into to relational discord with God and each other. This continues to happen today. When we lose sight of God's goodness and God's provision and we listen to the deceiver of our souls, things spiral very quickly. But there's good news today. God is intimately aware of what's going on in our lives. He knows that that this is something that we battle with. And he's constantly extending a hand to us to saying, come back to me. I understand that you've, yeah, I totally get you. By the way, I created you. I hold all of the universe. Like, I Just come back. You don't need to hide. I love in the story of Genesis, God goes and searches them out. It's not like he didn't know where they were. Why are you hiding? He understood what was going on. He was trying to draw them back to himself, even in Genesis. If we lose sight of his goodness ever, he's constantly saying, come back to me. Uh, let's go back to 1 John now. Let's flip, flip to chapter 4. John, this guy who walked with Jesus, and knew him personally, trusted him. The man who wanted to just tell everybody about the love of Jesus. Here's his, his encouragement to fellow believers. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. If you want a cool song about this, find Davy. He sang us a cool song about this verse this morning. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is? In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So just to recap, where does love come from? Love comes from God. Why? Because God is love. He doesn't know how to operate outside of his character. It's who he is. God is love love and how do we know his love it was manifested to the world through jesus love showed up in human form jesus was the perfect manifestation of the love of god and so love originated with god was given to us we are recipients of love it's a gift And this is so important to hold on to. It's not some sort of transaction where we offer something to God and He loves us in return. That's religion. Most ancient religions operated this way. You were always on the edge of ticking off your God. And so you had to do all of these things to maybe appease Him. And you wouldn't always appease Him and He would just get mad at you all the time. That, That was kind of how things worked. You jumped through a lot of hoops. And unfortunately, this is the way that we as Christians can sometimes live our lives. We believe that God's love is somehow earned or deserved or reserved only for some people. And if you just follow all the rules, if you just get in your quiet times, if you just don't say any naughty words, if you, if you go to a church service, then, then you'll be worthy of God's love. And John encourages us to remember in this text, love, it originates with God. It's not that we love him, but that he loves us. I'm so thankful for that. I'll be straight with you today. We don't deserve anything. I know some of you. (laughs) Better yet, I know myself. We don't deserve anything. You're not worthy, I'm not worthy, but we're loved by God because he chose us before the foundation of the earth. Anyone thankful for that today? That's the amen part, yep. I was just at camp all week. They say amen a lot at camp. (laughs) Today, the love of God is fully ours through the accomplished work of Jesus. Man. Continuing in verse 11, John takes this practical step based on this reality. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God if we Love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Jump down to 18, it's it's so good, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother... He's a liar. <laughs> For he does not love his brother whom he has not seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen, who he has seen, sorry. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is something that we've received, and it's something that we extend and give to those around us. It seems, it seems simple, right? Is it simple? But this is our call, to understand his amazing love and to extend his amazing love. Worship team, you guys can join me as I bring this to a close. So there's two things out of this. And it, again, it's very simple. Two encouragements, two things that are woven throughout really all of John's writings. And you could go beyond John. I think just about everybody that walked with Jesus, these are the encouragements that they give us. Vital to the life of a a believer. First thing is this. Know his love. If you don't know the love of God for you. Personally. If you're not living in his love. If you're not trusting in the love of God. Abiding in him. Making your home in this incredible unending love and provision. Then you're likely living in fear. Insecurity isolation and pain you're likely experiencing all kinds of discord relationally to not know and trust and live in the love of god is to walk in darkness and maybe that's where you are today maybe maybe that resonates with your experiences it's just been a dark and confusing time for you you've been overwhelmed and every day is this fight And it's exhausting. And you battle with negative thoughts about yourself and about others, and you tend to be critical and untrusting, and you work hard to act like things are fine. Or maybe you found some some coping mechanisms that seem to help you, but now you're recognizing these things are destroying my life. Today, you need the love of God in your life. You need to experience grace and forgiveness. You need to receive life that only God can give to you. You need to be reminded of who you are, that you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And he looks into your face and says, You're mine. I can hold you together. I care about you. I've actually created you for something special. And I will help you walk that out. You don't have to do this on your own. I will walk with you in the good times and the hard times. You can trust me. He's enough. He's sufficient. If you're in in this place today where that describes somewhat of your experience, I'm going to ask you to be really bold today. Because I I think God is speaking to us and maybe to you this morning. I'm just going to ask you to stand because I want to pray. If you're in that place where it's been a fight and you you just need the Lord to cover you, and fill you, and remind you of who you are, to speak life over you, to fill you with his spirit, to remind you that he knows your name, that he calls you to himself, that he has what you need, that he desires to lift up your arms and say, I've got you, it's Friends. This this won't be going on today if if he wasn't chasing you down every moment of every day, saying, I've got you. I've got you. If somebody's around you, would you do me a favor, put a hand on them? Let's just pray. God, thank you so much that this day, this morning, at this time, you are here to give exactly what's needed, to make us whole and restored and healed in Jesus' name. Thank you that you see us this morning, that you call us to yourself, that you are so gracious and kind to continue to draw us and call us to yourself. Lord, this is an act of surrender today. We're choosing to trust you even when we can't see or understand. We're choosing to believe that there is something supernatural that only you can do and we wanna be recipients of your goodness and your love. Fill my friends this morning with your power. Remind them of who they are, that they are precious in your sight. <laughs> we pray this in, in the name of Jesus, amen. amen. I want you to stay standing if you're standing, because I, I, the second part of this, I mean, this is part of the story, we, we just gotta lean into and trust his love. But the other part of the story is we had to show his love, right? What we just experienced together is an act of that. And so if you're here this morning and, and you know the love of Jesus already, you have a mission this week. You have a mission. Who in your life needs to know that they're loved, that they're seen, that they're cared for. If you want to be about that mission this week and you want to be somebody who shows the love of Jesus, I also want you to stand this morning. I, what is it going to look like this week in our community to, to demonstrate to our city that in the midst of things that are dark and confusing and overwhelming, there's a God who is above it all, who's not done working, who is, who is at work in the hardest of things bringing restoration. Let's be a people bask in and abide in and know the amazing love of Jesus so that we can share it and show it to everybody around us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's worship together.